this time, those from thir- ages 3 to 7 may be dismissed to Children's Church while I awkwardly hobble up on stage with my crutches. Thank you. Preaching opportunity in five weeks. All the OTs are examining if I'm doing it correctly, right? Is this functional for you? Um, so you may not be excited I'm back, but I'm excited to be preaching. It's certainly a privilege to get to talk to you guys um, from the Scripture. We are, um, we are in Psalms now. We finished Abraham and um, some technical stuff, some narrative um, can be detailed, but now we move into the Psalms. And Psalms are sort of universally applicable to us. Uh, Psalms deal with emotion. Um, it deals with the heart connects us to us. So some of us uh, that aren't too emotional, maybe some of you men out here or women, uh, the Psalms actually tell us that we need to express emotion. We need to engage. And yet the Psalms also put boundaries on our emotions. Did you know that? They, they guide them. They direct them. They teach us uh, how to express them. Actually give us language for the emotions of, of grief and anger and joy. It helps direct us and guide us as we align our hearts with the end of all our emotions, that is Jesus. Our emotions are made to express to him, in him, our love and affection as we engage him in relationship. So I'm going to remain seated, but would you please stand as I read Psalm 93 to us. Psalm 93, this is the word of the Lord. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. This is God's word. You may be seated. Um, I remember when our twins, they're 10 now, almost 11, they were, uh, they were little guys, two, three, four, something like that, and uh, they were afraid, as is the case with little, little ones. They were afraid of dar- the dark. Um, they were afraid of loud noises. We lived on a busy street in the city of St. Louis, and um, at night, they would hear noises and peek out the window at these strange sounds. Um, but they were also afraid of one thing. They were afraid of the monsters in the closet. Monsters in the closet. Um, so, I, you know, I was in seminary at the time, so I would, uh, you know, reason with them uh, and try to be persuasive that monsters most likely were not in the closet. Uh, it's not normally where they you know, where they gather, uh, there wasn't any reason for them to be gathered there, um, and it didn't work. They were deathly afraid of the monsters in the closet, despite my great rationale and effort. Um, but my wife, on the other hand, decided to put her, uh, her good covenant seminary degree to use, and she asked them if they were aware of monster spray, of monster spray. I, I was not. Um, and they were curious, and so she said, oh yeah, everyone knows about the monster spray. And so she brought out this aerosol can um, where she had taken the label off, and she put a big piece of paper around it, and it wrote on there in big letters, monster spray. 
and uh, it was a kind of a mild spray. And our nightly routine was you know bedtime prayers. Now it included going in the closet, spraying for monsters under the bed. It's amazing how well it worked. Immediately, three-year-olds get monster spray, uh, and there would be peace and calm, and the twins would go to sleep, which meant we could go to sleep because we were so tired, all due to monster spray. Now, um, there's something uh, peace, uh, peaceful, empowering to know that you have the antidote to your fear and to your struggle. There's something we can do. Uh, Psalm 93 is what we call a divine kingship psalm. We've looked at different types of psalms. We looked at psalms of praise, Ryan. Last week was a psalm of confidence. Uh, he talked about lament as well. Um, this is a divine kingship, which means the psalmist is taking uh, the Lord and he's speaking of him as the king. He's praising him for being the king. The Lord is the king. He is enthroned on high over all the earth. And there's a number of these psalms, and you'll see as we talk some patterns with these psalms. But they essentially serve as the monster spray of the Bible. They speak to our fears. If lament speaks to our grief, um, these speak to our fear and our struggle. They're ultimately practical. They assume that we're afraid. They assume we're overwhelmed. They assume that we struggle, that we doubt. And so the declaration, the Lord reigns, brings peace, brings rest to our souls. Let's see the fear. I will start with verse 3 and 4. You can see it very clearly here. Listen to the it's parallelism. Look and, listen to how it builds. The floods have lifted up, O Lords. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their roaring. It, it builds and builds and builds. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the, wa- the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. The floods roar. They lift up their voice. They are mighty. It speaks to the ultimate fear of the Israelite. To the Israelite, the sea is the ultimate place of chaos, of fear, of worry, of doubt. The fear is where the monsters live. That's why in Revelation 21, when it speaks about the new heavens and the new earth will come down, and it says the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and what? The sea was no more. Does it mean there are not going to be any bodies of water in the new heavens and new earth? Probably not. There probably will be bodies of water. There's a river running through the city, right? But the sea, the place of chaos, the place of fear, the place of doubt, the place of anxiety will be wiped away in the end. It will be no more. For the Israelite, the sea, that's where in Revelation the great beast emerges. He comes out of the sea. The place of fear, frightening. If you've ever been to a coast, uh, maybe the Pacific or the Northeast, where it's rocky on the edges, you know, there's rocks and cliffs, maybe in England somewhere, and you see the waters come and it just bashes up against the coast. It's just violent, right? You've seen this picture. It's frightening. It's fearful. This is the Israelites' understanding of the sea. So here he speaks the, the, the seas. They, they raise their voice higher and higher and they're powerful and they're mighty and this is their fear. They're overwhelmed. They're paralyzed 
by fear. Maybe you've been in the Gulf of Mexico, and if you've ever been way out where you can see no, no land, not like on a cruise, because that's, you know, that doesn't count, but like way out, maybe you're deep sea fishing, and you, you ever look around? I mean, it's, it's amazing, and it's terrifying, isn't it? Like, there is nothing, there is no land, and I'm in this vessel. If there's a leak, what's going to happen? I've seen too many Jaws movies, right? If there's a storm comes up, like the Sea of Galilee, we're done. You know, it's terrifying. It's the sea. So here the psalmist, he's going to express the beginning, the Lord, but then he's going to say, the the waters, they, they raise their voice, they're mighty. It's chaos, it's terror. But here the picture of chaos and violence and unrest is no match for verse 4. Listen to threefold. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea and the chaos and the evil and the fear. The Lord on high is mighty. Threefold. It's holy, 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 right? It's emphasis. The Hebrew way of expressing, he is so grand, he is so mighty, he is so powerful. Even our greatest fear of the sea subsides at his presence. On high means in power, means enthroned, means sovereignty, rule. There is nothing outside of his control or his power or his authority. Let me ask you something. Do you ever talk to yourself? Um, sometimes it's funny, if I'm doing like a project around the house, I'll, I'll be just talking to myself while I'm doing it, and uh, it's always funny, Katie's like, she'll hear me, and she's like, hey, you all right in there, babe, everything okay, you know, it's kind of like checking in, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 just, you know, Ben with Ben, you know, just talking, and if, uh, if it's a home project, you know, there's normally some foul language at some point, you know, or, or you know, yelling or cursing or something, but, um, you know, she's like, okay, just, just checking on you, making sure everything's all right. You're talking to yourself, you know. And uh, to be honest, we all do self-talk. And, and sometimes our self-talk uh, is not so good talk, you know. It's, uh, it, it's, it's reminiscent, if you're a Christian, it's reminiscent of your former king, your former boss, um, the evil one. You know, it's, uh, I, I can't believe you've done it again, you know. Or for me, if I'm trying to fix anything at the house, like, you are so stupid, you can't even fix this problem, you know? Or, uh, what a loser. Like, I can't believe I did that. Or, I don't know what it is for you. I, I can't be forgiven. I'm so stupid. I'm not lovable. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too much this. I'm too little this. I'm too big. Whatever it is, there's self-talk. We have this language in my best moments, I, I catch myself. And I'm like, that didn't sound like the voice of the Spirit. Um, it sounds like uh, someone else. Ephesians 2 says of us outside of Christ, that you were dead in the trespasses and your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. So he's not a king, he's a prince. The prince puts words in our mouth, in our mind, in our brain. And they're, they're words of uh, condemnation. They're words of fear. Uh, they're words you're not enough. You can't succeed. You'll never make it. They're all kind of words and voices in our head. They're there. And we listen to those and fear mounts. And our internal world is chaotic and it's frightened. 
and we get real small, and fear and overwhelm gets really, really, really big. So the psalmist teaches us a new way of speaking and thinking. It's, it's, uh, it's not just self-talk, though we can use it that way. It's actually corporate talk. The psalms are primarily used as the hymn book of Israel. They would sing them to the Lord. They would sing these songs. They would sing it to one another. They would speak it. They would pray it. They would discuss it to the Lord. And the psalms are less about new information. It's not like Romans. You're reading Romans. You're like, justification, I need like a definition. So Paul goes on to explain it. And you're like, oh, okay, that's technical and you learn more. The Psalms, there's less information and it's more about heart transformation. It's more about giving the language of the soul. Like, I feel this fear and now I'm going to give you words to express it. I fear grief or I, fear, I feel joy and now the Psalms are going to put words in your mouth so that you can actually say the words of God to Him, to one another, so that the fear, the sea, is calm. And there's peace. And the doubt goes away. It's the anecdote. It's the antidote to our fear. And it's not um, these words of self-talk aren't used um, to say, oh, your fears aren't important. Just disregard those. Forget those. No, it's actually speaking to the fear, speaking to the voice, speaking words of life in the midst of overwhelmed, anxious, fearful. So, before we get to the words we speak, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Some of you are like, man, I'm not, things are good, you know. It's like, I'm not really, things are, life's great. There's not a lot of fear, you know. Well, then this is practice for you, you know, because you're going to be afraid. You will be afraid. <laughs> FYI. Um, some of you are saying, man, practice. I sound like that practice. You know, some of you aren't thinking practice. You're like, I'm in the like, you know, change metaphors. I'm in, it's not like a game to me. It's just like war. This is the greatest battle of my life. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overcome. I'm covered with fear. And so this is right where you are. What overwhelms you? If you're single, maybe you're paralyzed by, well, I'll always be. I'm alone. I'm not, no one will ever love me I see uh, these engagements several in the last two weeks and I think uh, great for them but uh, you know I, I'm afraid I'll, I'm, I'm damaged I won't be loved or if you're a parent in the room uh, you have so many fears you can't number them you're afraid of health uh, you're afraid of your kids Growing up and loving the Lord, you're afraid, um, you know, of bullies, you're afraid of their grades. When they get older, I, I think I'm not there yet, thank goodness. You're afraid of them dating anyone ever. You're afraid of their decision making, you know. I, parents that are older, your, your kids are 30 and you're still afraid of their choices, your life. Will they turn to faith? Will they look to Jesus? You're afraid. Like, we just multiply fear, it's just chaos, it's worry. All of us have financial fears. If you're alive, will we have enough? Will the house sell? I'm going to school forever. Will I ever pay off my debt? My car's in the shop again. Will I have enough this month? 
And you think, well, some, of, you know, some folks are wealthy, so maybe they don't have fear. They have fear, too, about money because now they have more things to manage, more bills to pay, more things to pay off, more investment in the stock market. If it crashes, they fear money. We all fear. We're afraid. We're afraid of school, afraid of school shootings or shootings at Walmart recently. We're afraid of viruses. We're afraid of severe weather. We're afraid. Or maybe we're just afraid, like, am I going to get the to-dos done in time? I have so many things to do. I'm just buried. Or will I get ready for the test? Or then there's the next. We're just afraid. The divine kingship psalms are spoken to and assumed we fear. We struggle. We doubt. We worry. We're the most anxious generation ever. But we have the most access and ease ever. Something's wrong. We need some corrective talk. So what could possibly stand up to the immensity of our fear? The chaos in our soul. It's the monster spray, the divine kingship psalms. It says this, the Lord reigns, verse 1. Other translations say, the Lord is king. It's our corporate self-talk. It's the anecdote to fear. Listen to it again. Think of your fear. Now think of these words. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Did you see the process? It's not... The world's established, so he's enthroned. But because he is enthroned, the world is established. Because he is of old, of eternal, eternity, the world is secure and stable, which means trickles down even to me and you in our world, in our fear, in our doubt. The world is secure. The Lord is enthroned. A few years ago, Kenny and I went out to California for this uh, pastor's retreat. And, uh, you know, we were all, you know, into it. It was a great place. But, like, the first full day, they, they take us, like, hey, we're going to, like, team building. We're going to do, like, a high ropes course. And, like, I'm, I'm not, like, a high ropes course kind of guy. Like I'm, like, I'm really, like, a Starbucks latte theology book. Like, that's kind of my jam. Like, I'm, like, woo, I'm really in my element. It's, it's wild and risky. That's where I sit. My wife's, like, bungee jump, let's skydive. She's, like, high ropes course. And so there's like a low level, and there's like a medium level. And Katie volunteers us for like the extra high level of like high ropes courses. And it's all like pastors or ministry people. So we're all trying to be cool. Like we got it together. Like I trust Jesus more than you do. And like, and so we're up there, and I'm like about to pee all over myself. I've got this awkward helmet which doesn't fit my big head. And I'm sweating, even though it's California and it's lovely, I shouldn't be. And I am like, oh, my Lord, what am I doing? And there's a couple other guys afraid too, so I'll feel a little better. But, like, this is terrifying. And I remember Katie, like, grabs my face. And she's like, it's okay. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's okay. We're secure. Like, got a harness. We're strapped in here. It's It's okay. I'm like, yeah, but we're on the third level. And I'm like, it's okay. Just, just grabs your face. You ever had anybody do that? Grab your face. Like, look me in the eye. We're not very good at that. It's okay. And slowly, <laughs> over a long time, my fear subsided. 
the Lord reigns. The king is enthroned. This is sort of this mantra the the church would say, Israel would say to one another. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know. Like, the Lord reigns. He's enthroned. His belt is strength. Like, he's, he's so mighty. He's so powerful. He's in charge. Psalm 93 brings that comfort to our soul. It says, His majesty and His robe, the, the, the length of the robe, the train, speaks to the majesty or the prominence of the king. And if you know Isaiah 6, it says what? Do you know that? It says, Isaiah has a vision. It says, in the, in the year that King Uzziah, the earthly king, died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. The whole thing was His robe. He's not like a second-rate king. He's not like a regional king. He's not like a puppet king under somebody else. The train of his robe filled the whole thing. His glory is so great and so prominent that the whole earth is filled with his glory. And he says to your fear, it's okay. It's okay. He's in control. It's balm to your soul. We, we need a king. I, uh, I, I told Ryan this a few weeks ago before the sermon. Um, you know, I, I think I, we were, you know, Kobe Bryant died and that tragedy, and that was so awful. And, uh, you know, I have this I kind of thing like Kobe and I were, were buddies or something because we're about the same age, and like, you know, that, it's a crazy thought. But like, his whole adult life was my adult life, and I was a Michael Jordan fan, so I didn't really like Kobe at first, and he kind of grew on me because he was so good and so dominant. And, uh, and so it was just so tragic, you know, the whole incident and all the other folks that died. Um, but I was watching the interviews the day after, after the, the helicopter crash. And uh, they were at the Staples Center, you know, where they play, uh, there, where the Lakers play. And they were interviewing people outside. And everybody's bringing their tribute and their, you know, their candles and their flowers. And, you know, and uh, everybody was expressing grief. And, uh, but but I, I told Ryan, it caught my attention because of, the language. There was one young guy, and, and he was teary, and the, the, the interviewer was asking, well, how are you feeling? What's going on? And he said this. He said, the king is dead. We are a city without a king. Like preachers just take middle notes of those kind of language. I was like, wow, the king is dead. And, and, and there's no judgment, and the guy's grieving. I mean, he, you know, obviously connected. Kobe was an icon, but he said, this, we're a city without a king. And, and he went on to express, like, the whole city's reeling. We don't know what to do. There's something of, like, we've lost stability. If it can happen to Kobe, it can happen to anybody and his daughter. And, like, there's no safety. There's no security. There's no place to, there's no firm ground. Like, we're, we're reeling. What, what do we do? There's this sense from this young guy, from this person dying, that the king, uh, the king was dead. And... There was disorder. There was chaos. And he's right about one thing. We were made for a king. We were made to be governed well, to be ruled, to be overseen, to be guided, to be directed. We long for safety and peace. I listen to this uh, podcast sometimes. Uh, it's called The Moth Radio Hour. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a uh, it's, uh, it's basically uh, human interest stories. People share their story. 
Um, it's not a Christian thing, you know, there's, there's sometimes there's Christians on there, but it's very much a non-Christian thing in many ways, but it's, it's stories of, of, of sort of redemption and triumph, and, uh, you know, someone overcomes racism, or uh, someone comes a, a refugee, and then they, they come with nothing, and then they make something of their life, or, uh, you know, there's a tragedy in their life, and they they're disabled and you see something good come or a family member reconciles or there's all these stories of redemption and reconciliation and they're beautifully told and they're crafted uh, and, and you're like, wow, it's just amazing. And every time I listen to it, it reminds me of, of what a pastor friend said and I, I always think about this, is that we all want the kingdom. We just don't want the king. Right. Most of these people are secular, they're not Christian, they're not religious, but they want the kingdom. We want peace, the Bible, shalom, we want rest, we want uh, no wars, we want relationships to work, we want financial stability, we want uh, the tribes to quit fighting, we want some sort of political harmony, we want like things to work and life to happen but we don't want it <laughs> under the rule and the reign of the king. Because that means we're not the king of our life, of our throne. It means we have to submit. The only way we get the kingdom is by knowing and surrendering to the king. We fear, we have the antidote to fear that is the Lord reigns. He's enthroned. But I also want to say one more thing, verse 5. What is this king like? He, he's more than just powerful. Verse 5 says, Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forever. So far we've been talking about his might, his power, his reign, his rule, his authority. He's mightier than the, the, the chaos. He's mightier than the evil. He's mightier. He's stronger. He's strength. He's all of these things. And yet it shifts. Look what it says. Literally, his decrees or his testimonies are trustworthy. Holiness befits, or holiness, one translator said, is the beauty of his temple. Those aren't qualities of strength. They're, they don't seem like. They're qualities of character. He's mighty. He's strong. He's powerful. He's a He's authoritative, but he's also trustworthy. And he's holy. He's morally pure. He's righteous. His integrity, it's so we have sort of brute strength, but underneath the strength, what makes the strength so strong is the integrity of his purity. In other words, the psalmist is confessing something like, we don't, we don't know anything like this. Like, we don't know anything that's so strong and so powerful that Jesus says, be still to the storm, and it's done. And yet he speaks kindly and tenderly to the woman at the well with compassion, forgives sins. That cast out demons, I have authority, be clean, be removed. And yet says, let the little children, let them come. Such is the kingdom. He is 
strong not only in might but in character. So the question is, how are we who are afraid of almost everything? We make up things to be afraid of. And we're frail. And we overcome fear one minute just to be afraid the next. How are we to be in the presence of someone so pure and so righteous and so holy? How's it possible? We have to get insight from the New Testament. All the Old Testament is just pushing us to the New Testament. It's like, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. How can the good king be with the sinful subjects? It would take the king triumphing over our fear. It would take a king that would be willing to triumph over the greatest chaos of sin and death and darkness and being victorious over that that he could have a relationship with those that are fearful, that are spun in the chaos of evil and sin and death. And that's what we have in Jesus. The king steps off the throne. He, comes, he humbles himself. And the cross is the great place. It's the storm. It's the sea taking its greatest shot. It's the prince of darkness taking all of his ammunition and dumping it upon Jesus. With all of its fear and all of its shame and all of its condemnation, I thought you were the king of the Jews. Save yourself. Mockery and all the lies and all the fear and all the doubt. And a king that's not only strong, but is so, in, so much integrity in his personhood that he can with, withhold his strength and he can absorb the chaos of hell and sin and death and swallow the cup of wrath. And then three days later, the Lord reigns. Jesus is king. He is resurrected life he reigns. He reigns for us. He reigns, and in Jesus, in faith in Him, we get attached to Him. So what is His is ours. His death is our death. His resurrection, His kingship, His authority is our authority in Him. Which means we can cast our cares and our fears to Him. What do you do with a king like this? What, what do we do if, if a king, a prominent king, came in now? What do they do in the Middle Ages? You bow down. <laughs> you worship like you are the Lord. The Lord reigns. Let's tell each other, the Lord reigns. And then we take our fears. Tomorrow morning, before we get to the office, and we speak. The Lord reigns. He reigns in, in strength. He reigns in character. And He reigns for us. Think of your fear right now. Whatever it is. You may have one. You may have 500. Pick one. Think of your fear. If you want to close your eyes, you can, but just be still and listen. Think of your fear. Let's practice the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 93 gives us language you got your fear the Lord reigns he is robed in majesty the Lord is robed he has put on strength as his belt 
Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods, they lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, you reign.